0: Psalm 126 When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter, and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then it was said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we rejoiced. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the watercourses in the Negev. May those who sow in tears reap with shouts of joy. Those who go out weeping, bearing the seeds for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy carrying their sheaves. Isaiah chapter 19 verses 18 through 25 On that day there will be five cities in the land of Egypt that speak the language of Canaan and swear allegiance to the Lord of hosts. One of these will be called the City of the Sun. On that day there will be an altar to the Lord in the center of the land of Egypt and a pillar to the Lord as it, at its border. It will be a sign and a witness to the Lord of hosts in the land of Egypt. When they cry to the Lord because of oppressors, he will send them a savior and will defend and deliver them. The Lord will make himself known to the Egyptians, and the Egyptians will know the Lord on that day, and will worship with sacrifice and burnt offering. And they will make vows to the Lord and perform them. The Lord will strike Egypt, striking and healing. They will return to the Lord, and he will listen to their supplications and heal them. On that day there will be a highway from Egypt to Assyria, and the Assyrian will come into Egypt, and the Egyptian into Assyria, and the Egyptians will worship with the Assyrians. On that day Israel will be the third with Egypt and Assyria, a blessing in the midst of the earth, whom the Lord of hosts has blessed, saying, Blessed be Egypt, my people, and Assyria the work of my hands, and Israel my heritage. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2-15 through 15. May grace and peace be yours in abundance in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything needed for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Thus, he has given us, through these things, his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may escape from the corruption that is in the world because of lust and may become participants of the divine nature. For this very reason you may make, you must make every effort to support your faith with goodness, and goodness with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with endurance, and endurance with godliness, and godliness with mutual affection, and mutual affection with love. For if these things are yours and are increasing among you, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For anyone who lacks these things is short-sighted and blind, and is forgetful of the cleansing of past sins. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be all the more eager to confirm your call and election. For if you do this, you will never stumble. For in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be richly provided to you. Therefore, I intend to keep on reminding you of these things, though you know them already and are established in the truth that has come to you. I think it is right, as long as I am in this body, to refresh your memory, since I know that my death will come soon, as indeed our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. Now make every effort so that after my departure you may be able at any time to recall these things. Good morning, and welcome to the second Tuesday of Advent. This is Brother Logan Isaac broadcasting from Walkersville, Maryland. This morning's readings come to us from Psalm one twenty-six, Isaiah nineteen, and Second Peter one, and the um, you know, the. The Isaiah reading is it's kind of confusing it's an interesting part of Isaiah um where it talks about Egypt and Assyria who are typically Israel's enemies Egypt obviously is where they were in bondage uh, from where they made their exodus and Assyria was the power that overthrew Babylon um, and kept <clears throat> the Israelites in exile and Well, uh, Babylon carried the ten tribes, and then Assyria carried basically all of Israel, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, And so it was this return to oppression. Uh, In Egypt they were oppressed, and in Assyria they were oppressed. Um, And they are put alongside Israel. And in the passage by itself... It suggests that, or it carries kind of connotations, in my mind, that you know of like Psalm twenty three, where you have a meal prepared next to your enemies, and your cup overflows, and maybe theirs does too. Um, and I was trying to make sense of it, and one of the verses that stood out to me is is this highway from Egypt to Assyria, and. <clears throat> which would have placed israel somewhere in between those two points. egypt is in the northeastern africa on the mediterranean uh has the nile delta. and if you go east and a little north if i'm remembering right maybe mostly east and a little bit of north um is you'll get uh, a chunk of israel go through israel the southern negeb where the land of I don't know, Judah or Manasseh, I can't remember. But essentially, um, this highway is linking Israel and Israel's enemies. And um, I can only imagine it has something to do with the readings from yesterday as well and from Sunday, in which this voice cries out. The passage is actually Isaiah chapter 40. A voice cries out, and you'll remember this from the New Testament as well. In the wilderness, prepare way, p- prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And it goes on about making everything level, enemies and friends, rich and poor. Um, but this desert highway, of course, they didn't have highways in ancient Egypt or ancient Israel for that matter either. Um, that's a you know modern word. Um, And what it's saying is this this thoroughfare, Um, traffic this place, move between these places, do it so much that it becomes level, you know, even like a road. Um, And on the one hand, uh, that means, you know, uh, everybody has access. You can go back and forth, um, you know, between, you know, your own hometown and, uh, the land of your enemies, um, making it easier to connect with them, making the world a little bit smaller. Um, and before <laughs> before the Internet turned into a cesspool, I remember in the 90s when I got my first email address at Hotmail when I was in high school at the high school library. Um, there was high hopes that the Internet would make the world smaller. Everybody would understand one another better and uh, make it more difficult to argue and you know, international strife and the end of the Cold War and there are all these high hopes and here we are 30 some odd years later and that was a pipe dream. You know, a, uh, a level highway just makes it easier for robbers and bandits and douchebags to populate from here to eternity. Um, but it sounds nice. It certainly sounds nice that, um, you know, this highway that is supposed to make it easier um, to go back and forth uh, will make our lives easier instead of harder um, but the fact is you know when when we see the other face to face we don't usually like what we see um, and we like ourselves and so we decide not to like the other um, you know I think anonymity is certainly making it easier to be assholes online. But I, I think even if there was no anonymity, I think that we'd still, you know, on the whole, abuse these systems that are supposed to make our life easier rather than um, use them for, for good. Um, that isn't because I think humans are, are bad inherently. I think it's because societies have already been places in which it's harder to do and be good. Than it is to look out for number one and you know dog eat dog, and this is written into you know our social DNA, not our actual DNA, but our social DNA. Um, <clears throat> but there is another highway. There's another leveling out um, that God does make possible, and it's what I always think of since having read the you know the Old Testament just a little bit more closely, um, and. It, uh, you know this. It it it's, it's almost a parallel, at least in my mind. You know, when I was ah, shit, even when I was in seminary, the idea or the you know atonement was preached about as at one ment right? Um, that you know we're being made at one with God and and each other, right? The the cross as an atonement was. Becoming one with God and communing with God. And it comes to, I come to find out that the, the Hebrew word in, um, for the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, um, is Kefar. And kefar is not, you know, <laughs> being at one with anything. That's an English you know, idiom. Um, the Kefar means um, uh, pitch uh, or tar, or, or, you know, gravel. And the day of atonement was the day of paving over, of making straight and level the path between God and humanity. And that isn't to make our lives easier. It is to make our lives right. It is to justify or sanctify whatever your chosen nomenclature is. It is to um, bury underneath the pitch, the kefar, the atonement, to bury all of our differences and inequities underneath the the road. And every year, the road between God and man is paved over. But it's not that God is screwing up and making potholes. It's that we are. Humanity is constantly fucking up our own world, each other's worlds. The highway, the superhighway between us and our enemies makes it easier um, to see difference and try and make clicks to make our differences seem normative and good and better than the rest, um, these highways that we've made—the smaller we try and make our world, the smaller we actually appear in the end. Because our ego, our our you know expectations, our prejudices—they have consistently over time, um, in large groups, um, made life harder rather than easier. Um, It's one of the reasons why I really have a, or it's, I think it's behind my own like attraction to small churches, not necessarily house churches, but um, one of my favorite churches was St. Joseph's in Durham. It's both physically small, um, teeny. I mean, maybe maybe 300, 400 square feet inside, I think. That's probably an understatement. I I don't know what it actually is, Um, but it was small. There were maybe 40 active members. On a good Sunday, we'd have 20 people. Um, but it was where um, my daughter was baptized. It was the church out of which I um, decided to um, be confirmed as Episcopalian. It wasn't at that church because so we had to go to the bishop. It was in Hillsboro. But um, there's something about smallness that doesn't have to be bad. I mean, the world, the people want big, they want bright, they want, they want laser and foam and everything else, fucking high production value. And that makes us smaller. For every megachurch, there's, you know, 75% of them are strangers. But the smaller you actually make your 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 community, the larger each of you are. I knew every single person who was an active member of St. Joe's. Um, I felt... Seen and heard, I felt in place. Um, <laughs> there's no Episcopal Church in Walkersville, um, but I I have been going to the Episcopal Church in Frederick. It's All Saints, and it's it's bigger, it's more fluent. It's a church um, that historically has been made up of slave owners because um, it goes through. It's 300 years old, and so there's no escaping the history in Maryland, um, that a slave state that didn't secede that abided by. Union federal law um, but that didn't did not uh, give up its its slavery until it absolutely had to um, and so it's not easy the more we know about our world um, it's not easy when we make it easier to encounter one another not because God created a world that sucked but because people keep fucking it up um, and every year on Yom Kippur um, the Israelites were called to just bury it just fucking bury it sweep it under the rug uh as much as i don't like that there's something to it as a community if you can uh with god and for god and by god pave over all your differences all the things that um that you bicker and bitch about um that's the hope that's what being <clears throat> that is what is that's what atonement is about that's what paving this highway is about. It's not so that we can walk more easily from place to place. It's because we've got skeletons buried under the fucking pavement. Um, and they're not God skeletons. They're ours. There are, you know, foibles and fuck-ups and, you know, unresolved tension. Um, it has to be done together. You know, you all have to acknowledge the thing that you're putting under the pavement. Um, but if you do it, if you all collectively acknowledge that you've all f- screwed one another over, um, you then start throwing pitch over the top. Come through with your steamrollers and start afresh every year. Not because you deserve an easy, convenient, you know, traveling path, but it's because if, it's what's underneath uh, that makes aton- atonement great, not what travels above it. A Prayer for Our Enemies from the Book of Common Prayer O God, the Father of all, whose Son commanded us to love our enemies, lead them and us from prejudice to truth. Deliver them and us from hatred, cruelty, and revenge. And in your good time, enable us all to stand reconciled before you. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.